بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الحدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So today we continue uh, this short series on the ten rights the ten rights which Allah has mentioned uh, in Surah An-Nisa and in the first uh, lesson or the first session, Sheikh Ubaid, rahimahullah ta'ala, he spoke about the first right, which is the right of Allah Azawajal, uh, to be singled out and to be obeyed. And he also spoke in that respect about Tawheed and the correct methodology in establishing this right, in calling to Tawheed. Uh, meaning that when we uh, establish the rights, then the first right is the right of Allah Azza wa Jal. And so therefore, the methodology of calling to Allah and rectifying the society and establishing the rights begins with the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Sheikh alluded to the error of many of these political groups, political parties, who... Um, they they reverse the priorities and so therefore when they see injustice and oppression as it relates to the rights of men, rights of men they put those first and they ignore the right of Allah to be worshipped alone because they ignore the shirk that is present in their midst or in their countries, in their societies and also the negation of Allah's attributes, the divestment of Allah's attributes, the ta'atil of Allah's attributes, and other affairs which are from the rights of Tawheed. So they ignore these affairs and don't begin with rectifying these affairs, and instead they complain about the violation of the rights of men. And so this is, is a flawed incorrect uh, methodologies. The Shaykh alluded to that, rahimahullah. And then in the second session, the Shaykh went on to look at the second right mentioned in the verse, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ ihsana, Meaning, to show benevolence and kindness to the parents. And so the Shaykh spoke about uh, that um, in the previous lesson. We looked at many, many different uh, narrations looking at the greatness of the rights of the parents, which is the next right after uh, Tawheed, Allah's right. And as we read in the ayah, we are commanded to uh, invoke Allah's mercy upon them. Uh, Say, O Lord, show them mercy, just as they nurtured me when I was, when I was young. And so there's a connection here between and the fact that Allah is the Rabb, Allah is the creator, and Allah is the one who is singled out in uh, worship. So the command to single out Allah comes first, uh, to, to worship Allah. 
And then the parents are mentioned after because after Allah who is the creator uh, of life and death and of uh, birth and, and, and death and of parenthood, it's the actual parents who then give you the nurturing. They give you the tarbiyah. And uh, as we see in the ayah, كَمَا رَبَّيَانِ صَغِيرًا and so of all the people, they are the ones most deserving of uh, benevolence, kindness, good behavior. And that is their haqq over, over their offspring. And of them, obviously, the mother has the greatest right. So this we covered in the previous two lessons. Today, the Sheikh, uh, rahimahullah, continues. And he begins his lesson uh, by uh, saying that we shall speak in this uh, session uh, whatever Allah makes easy for us regarding the right of those who have kinship. Right? Those who have, who possess uh, nearness in terms of nasab, in terms of lineage. So the Shaykh mentions the ayah, وَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا and to those who are near. So he says, well, ma'na, the meaning is, وَأَحْسِنُوا إِحْسَانًا بِذَوِي الْقُرْبَى To show benevolence to those who have kinship with you. Then the shaykh goes on to question, وَالسُؤَالُ هُنَا مَنْ هُمْ أُولُوا الْقُرْبَى أَوْ ذَوُوا الْقُرْبَى Who are the ones? When we say, ذَوُوا الْقُرْبَى Those with a near relationship, exactly what do we mean? The Sheikh then goes on to explain who specifically comes under this phrase, right? Bidil Qurba. Who comes under, who enters into this? So the Sheikh says, first of all, Dawul Qurba, Hum Kulluman Tarbutuhu Bika Rabitatan Nasab, Rabita Nasab. It is everyone who is connected to you by way of like a blood relation, right? A lineage, a blood relation. Irrespective whether this is from the direction of the father or the direction of the mother. And likewise, whatever branches off from that, right? So whenever we read in the Quran, uh, the mention of, 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 of such people, the uh, wul qurba, then it is, Whoever is connected to you by way of your father and your mother and whatever branches off from that, whether upwards or whether downwards, right? So this is uh, your, your aqriba, you know, the, the, the near, near relatives. So the shaykh goes on to say, um, from the direction of the father, then it is... The, in terms of uh, the, the, your father, it is men and women, meaning your father's brothers and sisters. So this is uncles and aunties. And likewise, their offspring, which then become your cousins. So they are your cousins. And so this applies to both the, the, you know, the, the, paternal, the paternal side, which means on your father's side, so your father's brothers and sisters, and likewise your maternal side, right? Which is, uh, which obviously that, that comes to your, to, your, to your mother's side, which, which is second. So from the angle of the mother, likewise, 
it is your maternal aunties and uncles and likewise their offspring in turn and um, obviously this would also include your brothers and sisters whether from the same father or from the same mother right so anyone who has a blood relation to you through your father or through your mother and the sheikh goes on to explain that uh, this can also go upwards meaning to the grandfather and the grandmother and upwards and obviously it also goes downwards which would be grandchildren and whatever is connected to that but the sheikh then makes a point which is that sometimes what can happen is when you go upwards to the grandfathers they converge so it narrows down which means that for example um, your mother and your father could have the same grandfather or the great grandfather right so there's a convergence like this right so that's easy to understand because it's close within the family but other times it can also go outwards wherein your father is from one tribe and his grandparents uh, you know from one direction and your mother is from another tribe and her grandparents are somewhere else so now there's an expansion that way right so either way all of that relation upwards is considered to be from the the qurba to, to have that relationship of being from the uh, al qurba right having this neeness or this blood uh, relationship so the sheikh gives some some examples he says a man you know uh, he, you know he could have uh, he gives some names of some tribes for example you know that the father could be from a certain tribe um, you know harb and uh, someone, his wife or his mother could be from a different tribe, you know, Shammar, uh, or this. He gives some names of tribes. So you, you get the point that uh, going upwards, it can either converge or it can expand. Either way, all of that enters into your near blood relatives. So therefore, they are included within this command to show them benevolence and to show them uh, kindness. So whether it is Qasira, uh, as the Sheikh says, it narrows down, or whether it is tawila, right? Whether it is wide and expanded, then you are commanded for anta ma'murun biwaslihim. You are commanded to basically keep your ties uh, with them, uh, the ties of kinship with them, and you give them precedence. Those who are from the the the, the tie of the womb and those who are prohibited to you you know uh, in marriage uh, nearest and then the nearest right so this is who enters into the will qurba the will qurba in the quran anyone who is a blood relative through the father or the mother then the sheikh says that this is also when we look in the sunnah uh, we see that in the quran and the sunnah this is something that is uh, agreed upon in all the texts that to keep the ties of kinship that it is from the branches of iman it is from the shu'ab al-iman and also it is from the min khisal al-bir it is from the qualities and traits of al-bir and so he brings the hadith man ahabba 
أن يبسط له في رزقه وينسأ له في أثره فليصل رحمه Whoever loves that his provision should be expanded and that his lifespan should be increased then let him keep the ties of kinship let him keep maintain the ties of kinship right so this is something known in the quran and the sunnah then the shaykh goes on to mention rahimahullah another hadith of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam laysa alwasilu bil mukafi walakin 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 alwasilu alladhi idha quti'at rahimuhu wasalaha so this is related by al-bukhari and uh, this is a very important hadith which helps us to understand exactly what is meant by maintaining the ties of kinship exactly what is meant and this is a very important point to understand uh, the shaykh says that within the first of all the translation al-wasil meaning the one who keeps the ties of kinship is not the one who you know bil uh, mukafi what does that mean it means the one who you will give the rights so long as your relation gives you the rights right so basically it's like it's it's um, uh, like for like you you give like for like and so long as they give you your rights you will give them their rights right so it's kind of compensation that that this is how you are maintaining the ties of kinship so laysa alwasilu bil mukafi this is not the one who is alwasil intended in these texts ولكن الواصل الذي إذا قطعت رحمه وصلها. But the one who ties, keeps the ties of kinship, is the one who, when his relatives cut cuts him off, then he maintains the ties of kinship. Meaning, uh, when when they cut him off, meaning they they behave bad with him and they oppress him and they you know so on and so forth. Then he doesn't give like for like, but he maintains the the connection. Now the Sheikh will explain what this means. He says, uh, this is a textual uh, evidence for two things. First of all, he says, al-awwal wujub silati rahim, the obligation to keep the ties of kinship without looking at the mukafaa dunyawiya. Right, without looking at this worldly, okay, if they're being good to me and they give me gifts and they visit me and they help me out and you know this and the other, then I will do the same to them. And so long as they keep doing that, then I will keep doing that. Right? This this is a worldly thing. Right? So here your relation and keeping ties with them is just purely with a worldly consideration. Right? And so this isn't really what is meant. By keeping the ties of kinship, which is done for the sake of Allah Zawajal, which is done uh, religiously, meaning with with the intention of nearness to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, right? So, um, you know, you don't look at these worldly kind of uh, benefits or things. And then the second thing which this text contains, as the Sheikh mentions, or there are two types of people, sorry, uh, and this is this is the second level. This is Ahlul Azima as Sadiqa Waniya as Saliha. This is what is done by the people of the true firm resolution, people who have a firm resolution and they have a righteous intention. 
and وَهُمُ يَصِلُونَ أَرْحَامَهُمْ إِذَا قَطَعُوهُمْ They are the ones who maintain the ties of kinship even if their relatives or relations cut them off. Right? This is the true meaning of keeping the ties of kinship. And so the Sheikh says that وَالْخُلَاسَ أَنَّ رَحِمِهِ قِسْمَانِ مِنَ النَّاسِ Those people who keep ties, who maintain ties with their relations, they are of two types based upon what we see in this hadith. Right? The first, the Sheikh says, Al-awwal, sinfun mukafi, yuqabil, uh, yuqabil silatan bisilatin. He says, a group who basically is doing it like in response, like for like. If they maintain ties with him, he will maintain ties with them. And when they cut off ties with him, then he himself will stop ties with them. Right? So this person, as the Sheikh says, فَهَذَا لَيْسَ بِوَاسَلٍ عَلَى الْحَقِيقَةِ هَذَا مُكَافِئْ مُبَادِلٍ This person is not the one who keeps the ties of kinship that is mentioned in the text. This one is just simply, who's just exchanging benefits, you know, worldly benefits. They'll be good to me, I'll be good to them. They give me gifts or my kids gifts, I'll give their kids gifts. They visit me, I'll visit them. They come to my wedding, I'll go to their wedding. This, you know, like these types of worldly uh, exchanges, that's all it is. Now, this is the first group of people, and that's what they see. That's what they see in relations and relatives. The second, the Sheikh says, Right? The person whose intention, whose niyyah is truthful, it is righteous, it does not look at this kind of uh, recompense or mutual kind of uh, benefit. And when they cut off from him, meaning that maybe they haven't visited him, maybe you know, they haven't come to uh, visit him or his children or things like that, then he doesn't treat like for like. Right? And even if they behave bad with him, then he returns their evil with good. And now we have a hadith, another hadith, Sahih. The Sheikh mentions that a man, anna rajulan qal, ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, inni li Indeed, I have relatives. I keep the ties of kinship with them and they cut off from me. And I am benevolent to them and they are evil towards me. And I am forbearing and patient over them. Yet they behave ignorantly towards me and so the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said and this is a hadith related by Muslim in his sahih he said لَإِن كُنْتَ كَمَا قُلْتْ فَكَأَنَّمَا فَكَأَنَّمَا تُصِفُّهُمْ الْمَلْ if you are exactly as you said if you behave as you said then it is as if you are putting ashes hot ashes and tiny bits of like coal into their mouths and wala yazalu ma'aka min allah zahirun alayhim ma dumta ala dhalik and there will never cease to be 
from Allah for you an aider, one who will aid you and help you so long as you are upon this. Okay? So, uh, the Shaykh says, Ata'lamuna mal mal, he explains a particular word that's come in the hadith. Uh, what is the meaning of al mal? And uh, as we explained in the translation, it is ashes, hot ashes, and sometimes there can be some tiny bits of hot coal in the ashes, right? The, 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 the hot coal remains uh, with the ashes. And so it is as if you are putting this in, in their face or in their mouths. So, um, this means that um, the Shaykh goes on to say that this, this type of thing is very, very severe. It is more harmful or more painful than even being struck or, or beaten. So, it shows that the one who has this patience towards his relatives and his relations who are behaving bad and he maintains the good ties with them, then really it's them who are suffering and they are the ones who are going to be given this uh, severe type of uh, you know punishment and the second thing which is mentioned that Allah meant that the messenger mentioned in this hadith is that Allah will appoint an aider uh, one who will uh, meaning uh, like an angel or you know a zahir one that aids and supports you so long as you are upon this uh, state. And so what does this hadith indicate? It shows that a person should have firm resolution and be firm in continuing to face their harm and their evil with goodness and maintaining that connection and showing forbearance when they behave ignorantly and showing benevolence when they behave badly towards you and to keep the ties when they actually cut off the ties meaning that you don't look at what they are doing you're only concerned about the fact that they have a right over you right irrespective of whether they fulfill your right you are just thinking my duty to Allah is to fulfill their rights whether they give me my rights or not it doesn't matter and if a person does this the sheikh goes on to say that all of this is from the branches of Iman and a person's Iman will increase and his good deeds likewise will increase and uh, all of the branches of Iman they are from uh, they are from Iman they are obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so therefore when he engages in this his Iman is increasing just as we see in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Al-Imanu Al-Imanu Bid'un Wasitun Iman Iman consists of sixty odd or in another narration seventy odd branches the highest of them or the greatest of them is the testimony that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah and the lowest of them is to remove harm from the path from the path where the people walk upon and modesty modesty is a branch of Iman and also we see in the texts 
in the Sharia, for example, uh, that to cut off the ties of kinship is from the greatest of sins. We see this in Surah uh, Muhammad, in which Allah Azawajal, He says, فَهَلْ عَسَيْتُمْ إِن تَوَلَّيْتُمْ أَن تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَتُقَطِّعُوا أَرْحَامَكُمْ Allah Azawajal is saying that, you know, if you were to turn away, meaning from the Quran and from this message, then you would cause corruption upon the earth, meaning spill blood. And you would cut off the ties of kinship. And Qatada, one of the Mufassirin, Rahimullah, he says, كَيْفَ رَأَيْتُمُ الْقَوْمِ مَنْ تَوَلَّوْا عَنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ أَلَمْ يَسْفِكُ الدَّمْ الْحَرَامِ وَقَطَعُ الْأَرْحَامِ وَعَسَوْا الرحمن. So do you not see a people who if they were to turn away from the book of Allah would they not spill the blood which is unlawful and cut the ties of kinship and disobey Ar-Rahman and so what the Mufassirun when you go to the books of Tafsir they say that the meaning of this ayah is that those who turn away from the message of the Quran, who turn their backs on the Quran, or turn away from the Quran, what you will see appearing in those people or in that society or among them, you will see the spilling of blood and the cutting of the ties of kinship. And this is what the pagan Arabs used to be upon in the days of Jahiliyyah, that uh, as you know famously that they would have uh, tribal conflicts and wars and the spilling of blood and the cutting the ties of kinship over petty issues because they were steeped in jahiliyyah and they did not know these affairs of the importance of the rights of the people of the rights of uh, the parents for example of the rights of the near relatives and so this is from jahiliyyah and every time a people are far far removed uh, from the quran or from the uh, the, the, reveal, the, the books of Allah and the messengers you will see among them the spilling of blood and you will see the cutting of the ties of kin kinship and every time a people are closer and holding fast to the book of Allah then you will see that less so among them and uh, the sheikh goes on to say that um, in addition to this ayah that you just read, that this is considered to be from the major sin because it's come in this way in the ayah that if you turn away from the Quran, then there will be spilling of blood and there will be cutting the ties of kinship. But then there's also uh, in the sunnah, in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, we see that Allah has threatened a curse upon whoever cuts off the ties of kinship. And Allah'an means that a person is uh, far removed and made distant from the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal. So here, uh, in fact, this is in, sorry, this is in the ayah because the rest of the, the next ayah continues, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ لَعَنَهُمُ اللَّهِ فَأَصَمَّهُمْ وَأَعْمَىٰ أَبْسَارَهُمْ They are the ones whom Allah has cursed and has made them, and then he's obviously caused them to be uh, to be blind and to be deaf. So in the ayah itself, this is followed by a mention of the curse, which indicates this is a major sin. And in fact, we see also in the sunnah, 
the saying of the Messenger of Allah Sallam uh, in uh, Al-Bukhari, Inna Allah khalaq al-khalqa hatta idha faragha minhum qamati rahim When Allah created the creation, until when he uh, finished creating them, the rahim, meaning the womb and the, the, the you know, meaning the, the, the ties of kinship in the womb, it said, هَذَا مَقَامُ مِنَ الْقَطِيعَةِ So the womb is saying that it is in the position of one who is seeking refuge from that it should be cut off. And قَالَ نَعَمْ then he said yes, meaning Allah said yes. And then he said, So he said, Do you, are you not pleased that I shall connect with whoever connects with you? I shall tie whoever keeps ties with you. And I shall cut off whoever cuts off ties with you and so the womb Rahim responded by saying yes meaning I would be pleased with that and then Allah said then that is for you right so meaning upon the creation this is what the womb representing the ties of kinship what it asked it sought refuge from that it should be cut off and then this is what Allah gave it that whoever connects you will be connected and whoever cuts off from you will be cut off so this is an indication that this is obviously from the uh, from the uh, major sins so this ends the discussion of the sheikh on the near relatives and we can also mention something from sheikh al-fawzan hafizahullah ta'ala uh, not sheikh al-fawzan sorry sheikh ibn baz rahimahullah Sheikh Al-Fawzan also has some speech, but we'll suffice just with the speech of Sheikh bin Baz. And so Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah, gives us, explains to us the tartib, the order. The order of relatives in maintaining the ties of kinship. So we mentioned the relatives. Who are the relatives? They are your blood relatives through the father or the mother, upwards and downwards, and also horizontally, which is your brothers and, and sisters. And so the question was to Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah, um, what what are the levels of relation relatives uh, for whom keeping the ties of kinship are obligatory and it is prohibited to cut them off and the sheikh rahimahullah he said that this the, the nature of this relationship the relatives has been explained by the messenger of Allah and he explained in the hadith sahih that a man asked a messenger of Allah whom shall I show good behavior to he said qala ummuk thumma man qala ummuk qala thumma man qala ummuk so you know the hadith your mother then whom your mother then whom your mother then who qala then he said your father then thumma al-aqrab fal-aqrab then the one who is closer then the one who is closer and in another narration mentioned by the sheikh he says your sister then your brother then the nearest to you and the nearest to you. So the Sheikh commenting upon, upon this, he says, the first of the relatives and the most deserving of them of keeping the ties of kinship, it is the, the mothers and the fathers. 
and the grandparents, the grandfathers and the grandmothers, right? So meaning going upwards. They are the ones who have the greatest right. And then after that, it's the offspring and their offspring going downwards uh, of the males and the females. And then the brothers, like your, you know, the, the brothers and the sisters, which are your brothers and sisters, and then their offspring as well. Right? So that's the order. Upwards, parents, grandparents, upwards first, they have the greatest right. Then your children directly going downwards and their grandchildren, their second, and then going horizontally, which are your brothers and your sisters, and their offspring in turn, right? So they are after that. And then he says, then after that is the uncles and the aunties. Right, both matern, both paternal and maternal, the uncles, aunties. So they are now in the fourth level, and then their offspring, which are your cousins now, then they come after that. Right, so they come basically uh, at position five, let's say. They come after that. Then after that, it is whoever is closer to you. Um, you know, because there's different, uh, different levels. Uh, so this is the general breakdown. So let's go through that again. The first, in a general sense, is those who go above you, which is the parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. After that, it is your children directly and their children, so your children and grandchildren. After that, it's going horizontal, which is your brothers and your sisters. Then after that, it's their children, which is your nephews and your nieces. Then it is your uncles and aunties, maternal and paternal, right? And then it is their children, which, 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 which come after that, right? So that's the, the basic order. Now, Sheikh goes on to say that the greatest of them in the obligation are obviously the mothers and the fathers and the grandmothers and the grandfathers. And the greatest of all of them absolutely is the mother. And then after that, it is the father who is in fourth place. So remember, the mother has the first three places. Then the father is in the fourth place. And then there's the order that we mentioned after that, right? The order that we mentioned after that. And so this is how it goes. And then the sheikh, the sheikh was on to say that Al-Maqsood anna al-usool wal-furu' hum ahaqqu al-nas bil-bir wa-sila thumma yalihim al-hawashi min al-ikhwa wal-akhwat wal-amam wal-ammat wa-awladuhum so as he said that the usul and the furu they are the most worthy of people meaning what goes above what goes below uh, your, your parents grandparents and then your own children then after them is whatever comes after that of your brothers and sisters uncles and aunties and their children to the end and this connection or the keeping these ties of kinship is obligatory according to ability right so now this is another important clarification because practically speaking you know how can you keep ties with everybody from your relatives when there is you know dozens and dozens and dozens of people and they could be scattered here there and everywhere how, how are you supposed to maintain so this is conditioned by ability to do so ability to do so uh, so the sheikh says this is wajiba in accordance with ability so if he's able even 
to keep ties with the mother and the father. He does that. And um, uh, as with respect to the other people, if he is unable to do so, uh, it is not binding upon him because it comes down to actual ability. However, if he keeps ties with the, his offspring, the fathers, the mothers, but he's unable to do so with his brothers, because he doesn't have the ability and the means, then that obligation falls from him because it is down to ability. And uh, if he's able to keep ties with his brothers, meaning horizontally, his brothers and sisters and so on and so forth, then uh, he is then, then, then whatever is he's unable to do, you know, meaning in relation to others, like the uncles and the aunties, then that obligation falls from him as well. Meaning, so whatever he's able to do, which is the closest to him, if he does that, then the others, then the, the obligation falls from him because it is down to ability. And it all, and it starts with the nearest and then the nearest. So whatever he does from the nearest ones, and he has the ability, then he doesn't have the time or the means or the resources for anybody else, then that obligation is lifted from him. Now what does it mean, the Sheikh says, keeping ties? It's not just connecting with them. It means, for example, if there's among them one who is poor, one who is destitute, then you give him wealth. You aid and support him. This is from the tie, the, uh, connecting the ties of kinship. And if, if they are not in need of any wealth, it's just simply, okay, it's just keeping in touch with them, uh, visiting them, saying good speech to them, uh, giving uh, salam to them, asking about them, being concerned about them. And everything which enters into generally what is known as something, uh, something ma'roof, what is among the good, right? So this is what is meant by keeping ties of kinship. It is financial, it is also social, right? It's not just give him a call and how are you and whatever, but yet you know that he's in need or doesn't have any food or doesn't have any clothing or the children are hungry, right? And you have the means, then keeping the ties of kinship means that you go and you mend whatever, whatever is, is needed to be mended in the household, either by taking food over there, giving clothes, buying the kids clothes or something. You do that because you know that this is what they need. It's not just ring the phone, uh, give salam, how are you okay, and this now is the connection. This is now silatul rahim. No, right? It's, it's, it's uh, according to ability and according to the needs that they have and you have the ability to help them. And if there's no need like that, then he's simply visiting them, saying good words to them, um, you know, and so on and so forth. So uh, the Sheikh says that asila, this keeping this connection, can be, uh, if, if they are poor, then it's obviously uh, in terms of uh, helping them. And if they are rich and not in need of anything, then it's by way of kalam, uh, al-kalam al-tayyib, a good, good speech and good visitation and giving salam and asking about them and doing everything which is generally known to be from the ma'roof which is known to be from the good right so this then is the third right mentioned by Allah in this ayah the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then the right of the parents and then the right of those whom we refer to as the wulqurba those who, who possess uh, with you a, a tie of lineage of blood and so now we are clear about who they are 
through the mother and the father and the specific order that they have, uh, which, which, you know, who is to be given priority. Uh, it's the mother first, first three positions, then it's the father, then it's going upwards to your grandparents, then it's downwards to your own children and their children, and then it's horizontally to your brothers and sisters, then it's their children, which are your nephews and nieces. Then it is your uncles and aunties, maternal or paternal. And then after them, it is their uh, children who are your cousins. And then anyone after that is on, on the basis of who is closer to you, you know, uh, and closer to your parents and to your grandparents from, from them. Uh, and so this means that you give priority to the ones who are nearest to you, right? And whatever is within your ability, financially or in terms of time and visitation, resources, that you fulfill that obligation first. And beyond that, as we said, it's in accordance with ability. So if you do that which is nearest to you, then the, the, the responsibility falls from the other people. Because this is only according to your ability. You can't be expected to keep ties with you, if you have hundreds of people in your, in your, you know, because amongst the uncles, aunties, grandparents, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, cousins, you know, we can easily go into the hundreds of people. So it's according to ability, and you start with the nearest first. <clears throat> so this is <clears throat> the third lesson of the Sheikh. We'll make a start on the fourth lesson or the fourth session of the Sheikh. Rahimahullah. And so the fourth mentioned in the ayah is al-yatama wal yatama meaning wabil yatama ihsanan right to show kindness and benevolence to the orphan Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Allahu akbar أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله The Shaykh Rahimahullah, he begins by giving the definition of what is an orphan. Wal-aytam, jam'u yatim. So the word aytam in Arabic, this is the plural of the word yatim. And an orphan, the definition of an orphan 
is uh, those people, man uh, the one who loses his father before reaching puberty. Right? This is the definition of the orphan. The one whose father dies before reaching the age of puberty. And the Sheikh then goes on to say that this ihsan which is commanded in this ayah, obviously we are commanded to be benevolent and kind to the orphans. This is something in which many, many people, they fall into mistakes. And in this regard, the people are of three types in their behavior towards the orphans. The first is a, is a group of people who their aim is to be extravagant and they want to spend upon the orphan and they present to him all types of you know, uh, pleasures from food and drink and clothing and so on and so forth. So basically they, they, they exaggerate and go overboard and they spend in this manner upon the orphan, obviously feeling sorry for, for, for that orphan, but then they go beyond, <coughs> beyond the, the bounds. And so they end into extravagance and opulence and things like that. The second group, or the second type, are those who do not show any concern or care for the orphan. And they um, harm him. And they don't do anything to improve his condition, to improve his situation. And the third group are those who are the people of the truth. They are the ones who bring together numerous affairs for the orphan. What is it? What do they do? Well, the Sheikh says, first of all, they try to give him a righteous upbringing, a righteous nurturing, so that he becomes a righteous servant of Allah. One who is pious, one who is taqi, who is uh, who fees Allah and who observes the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the, the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he fulfills what Allah has made obligatory upon him so this third group are the ones who nurture the orphan to be righteous and to be a servant of Allah and um, they they do so in the same way that they do for their own children so just as they do so for their own children wanting them to be righteous and pious, then they do exactly the same with them because they want them to be servants of Allah upon Islam, upon the Sunnah. And so they are entrusted. They are, they are playing the role of a kafil, of, a, of someone who's been entrusted with the orphans. And this is how uh, the, the third group is. And they are the ones, uh, this group here is the one who has fulfilled what Allah has entrusted them with with regard to the orphans and so they give him a nurturing as he should be nurtured as for those as the Sheikh already mentioned the ones who are just interested in spoiling uh, giving you know as we said extravagance of, of food and drink and clothing and anything which is uh, good and pleasurable and they're not interested at all about nurturing this character and giving tarbiyah. He said these types of people are the majority when it comes to orphans. This is what their concern is. And the Sheikh goes on to say that anyone who wants to 
look after a yatim and often in the way that Allah loves and is pleased with then let him do it himself right under his own supervision right so that he can fulfill what Allah has obligated upon him the reason why the Sheikh says this is because as we know very well that in the modern age that uh, the Sheikh says in the in the recent years there have been many many you know what are called these kind of uh, organizations and some of the jama'at they set up these like orphanages or these trusts and what they do is they take money from the people who have money who want to pay for orphans and either it is like a monthly fee like a you know that they pay every month through the bank or something and then leave the affair to this group right to this jama'a to this jama'iyah whoever it might be and uh, he doesn't really know is this jama'iyah are they, are they upon the islam and the sunnah the quran and the sunnah are they really nurturing these orphans like what are they doing with these orphans are they just uh, spending upon them what, what are they doing and often most people don't really really know they have money they have wealth they have uh, love for orphans they want to fulfill this uh, uh, right uh, this obligation because they have the wealth and they give their money to here or there or whatever but they don't really know what what, what are these people who are these people what are they upon what are they doing um, you know are, are, the, are these orphans becoming righteous servants of Allah or are they just being fed and given to drink and given clothing and you know just left to play sports or whatever it might be you know enjoy them what's, what's happening what's going on and so the sheikh says that um, there's different types of these groups who are out there who take money from the people uh, there are two types the first who they strive to fulfill their responsibility and to fulfill what Allah has entrusted them with of as we said looking after the orphans giving them a nurturing giving them a tarbiyah hissan wa ma'nan both physically physically nurturing them meaning their health and their welfare and also conceptually speaking which again would be in terms of religion and so this type of uh, group or organization there's no harm in giving them your wealth um, whereby you entrust them to raise the orphan right but these types of groups are very very small very very small or few in number the ones who actually do this in the right way and so therefore the sheikh says it is obligatory upon you that you strive in raising you know that, that when you when you give money to these jama'at or these jam'iyat that you strive to find uh, the ones who are doing doing this right in the right way and uh, if you if not then what you should do uh, he goes on to say uh, that uh, this this is a great responsibility and the, the a man is will be asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is you know being entrusted and a person will be asked by Allah on the day of judgment uh, about this uh, yatim uh, looking after this uh, yatim because it is a, a responsibility and so a person should take this seriously and find people who are basically doing this doing this uh, job uh, properly then the sheikh goes on to say that the yatim himself is of two types right so we looked at those who are entrusted with raising orphans now the yatim 
himself is of two types. The first one is the one who is poor. He doesn't have any wealth left or which he inherited. And the responsibility of this one is from the family members, the close family members, uh, such as you know the uh, nephews and uh, the nieces and uh, others from the, from the family. So they spend upon him. It is obligatory for them to spend upon him in accordance with whatever Allah has given to them and you know, given them the ability to spend. So this is the first type, the orphan who has no means, is in poverty, has no inheritance, has nothing. So it's the relatives that do that. The second is the one who has something left, um, which he inherited. Now this one, it is upon the wali, the guardian, to protect the wealth of this orphan until he reaches the age where he is fit for his wealth to be returned to him. And for this, there are numerous conditions. There are four, three or four conditions which are mentioned uh, in, in the Quran. And uh, this occurs in Surah An-Nisa, in which Allah Azawajal, he said, uh, Put the orphans to test, test them, examine them, until when they reach the age of marriage. فَإِنْ آنَسْتُمْ مِنْهُمْ رُشْدًا If you then see from them that they are rightly, you know, of right mind and capable and fit, then return their wealth to them. Return their wealth to them. So in this ayah, from this ayah, there are numerous conditions which have been mentioned or numerous requirements which are mentioned before you give the wealth to the orphan for him to uh, use it you know, for his own beneficial interest. So what we'll do, inshallah ta'ala, we'll, we'll stop at this point and we'll continue this discussion in the next lesson. So just to recap, uh, the yatim uh, is mentioned in the ayah, the right of the yatim, the right of the orphan is mentioned after the near relatives. Right? So the yatim has precedence over others that come, right? such as the, uh, well, they are mentioned before the neighbors of various types and the travelers and other than them. And so the yatim is the one whose father passes away uh, before he reaches puberty. And with respect to the yatim, there are different approaches. There are those who are extravagant and uh, spend, you know, uh, just on material affairs without really nurturing them, which is what they should be doing. There are those who neglect them are not concerned, you just leave the orphans, not fulfilling any of their rights. And then there are those who are uh, the ones who fulfill their trust. And so they raise the orphan to be a righteous servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be pious. And upon that, the orphan himself or herself, they are of two types. Those who are in poverty and have no means, have no inheritance, so the duty now is of the near relatives uh, to uh, support them. And or they have wealth which has been left to them. Now that wealth has to be protected and preserved. And it is kept in custody by whoever is the guardian. And in relation to this issue here, the wealth of the orphan, there are important guidelines and considerations which have come in the Quran 
and the sunnah to protect the interest of the orphan. Uh, and there are certain conditions mentioned as occurs in this ayah. We shall elaborate upon those conditions, insha'Allah ta'ala, in what is to follow. But before we finish, just a, a quick note to mention how, as, as we said right at the beginning of these lessons, these are the rights which are given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever Allah has judged, whatever Allah has legislated, He is the creator. He is the creator of the male and the female. And He is the creator of the means of reproduction through which children come to be and the rights are established the rights of the parents, the rights of the children, the rights of the siblings, and then the rights of all the other rights, uncles, aunties, nephews. Allah is the creator of all of that. And he is the one who has apportioned the rights of every single individual. Our rights, they come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not come from the United Nations or the government or this minister or this whatever, right? Our rights, we are Allah's creation. We are Allah's servants. Allah is the one who gives the rights and apportions the rights. And so when you see, as we go through ayat in the Quran, like this ayah, which establishes the rights in a certain order, beginning with the right of Allah, then the right of the parents, then the right of the orphan, then the right of others, uh, the, the travelers, the neighbors, uh, and, and so on and so forth. The, these are rights which, if they are fulfilled, they create a, a society which is healthy and whose needs are fulfilled and which will not, no one, be, no one will be in, in poverty, no one will be destitute, no one will be on the streets, no one will be committing crime to uh, fulfill the basic needs of food and drink and shelter, right? Because these rights have been given by the creator of the lords of the world and people fulfill these rights out of the fear of Allah and his displeasure and his punishment and the love of his pleasure and his reward and paradise in the hereafter and without this underlying iman then nothing can really function if nothing can really function because it is this iman and the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that leads the people to fulfill these rights and without that nothing can happen this is the same as Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah says, even about economy, he has a book uh, where he speaks about economy, and he says that with economy, like the issue isn't what economic system works and what is the best and what it, no. No economy can work and function unless it is built upon certain traits and qualities nurtured within people, right? Honesty, you know, fulfilling your rights, being diligent, right? These human qualities of honesty, having morality, you cannot have any economic uh, way or order, whatever, because it, it's inseparable from the actual qualities and traits of people. So if you want to have a good economy, then you have to inculcate the right traits in the people. So in the same way, if you want the society to be good and healthy, 
then it has to be built upon iman uh, seeking of allah's pleasure fearing his displeasure which leads people to then fulfill the rights of those whose rights need to be fulfilled such as the relatives even if they are evil and bad towards him then you know he will fulfill their rights out of the fear of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right irrespective of whether so when you see that all of this takes place in society the society there won't be any evils uh, in in the society unlike what you see in societies in which there is no iman in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was what do you see now in these societies that we live in you see disintegration you see families falling apart you see you know um uh, greed stinginess uh, family feuds family and we find this everywhere whenever people are away from the book of allah and the guidance of the messenger you see in those families your know, family feuds you know arguments you know splits uh, even that might even spill over into violence and you know, taking someone's life spilling their blood all of this um, happens in societies which are far far away from uh, the deen of allah azawajal, from the quran from the sunnah from from revelation and you see that especially amongst uh, the people of disbelief because among the people of which are built founded upon uh, disbelief uh, then you see uh, they exploit the people and they do not give them their rights or they believe that they have the right to issue the rights to, to, to the people right so all of this corruption breakdown of society uh, crime uh, divorce uh, lack of uh, cohesion within families and between families you see these problems in these types of societies and the way to resolve all of that as we said uh, this legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is a mighty uh, legislation uh, it, it uh, rectifies it unites it solidifies it brings people together and there are people who detest this type of nurturing right they detest the family they detest that the parents should have a tight relationship with the children and vice versa they detest that the economic needs of people should be fulfilled by way of you know charity and and you know they detest this that these are the socialists and the communists and you know people like that and they are the ones today that we see they are waging a war against the family and against cohesion in society they want to break every individual down as as one unit so there's no father mother children you know it's just one uh, unit devoid of all of these connections and links because then that unit can be exploited you know uh, economically financially and so on and so forth and so this is what they are trying to do by uh, ideologies by economic means by social means you know uh, 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 this is tremendous tremendous evil right so we should be alert and aware and recognize uh, the, the the truth and the wisdom and the beneficial effect that when we treat these rights seriously the rights of the parents the rights of the near relatives the rights of the orphan the rights of you know all the other different categories then this creates in society what you know makes it to be strong and not very easily exploited by people who seek ulu and fasad and you know they seek highness on the earth they seek corruption upon the earth and so 
Um, on that note, uh, we can uh, conclude there for today, inshallah ta'ala. We'll continue with the discussion of the orphans, the various uh, requirements or conditions for the orphan and his wealth. We'll mention that in the next lesson. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.